You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. This is Bethany Moore, your host today. I'm the Communications and Projects Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. On today's episode, we are moving over to California to speak with Nate Bradley, who's the Executive Director of the California Cannabis Industry Association, CCIA, which is a state affiliate of NCIA, which we'll get into a bit more about that later. But first, let's say hello to Nate and welcome to the show. Hi, Nate. Thanks for having me. Yep, thank you. How's the weather out there in California today? Gloomy, with a lot of rain, a lot of Okay. Okay, rain's all right. You can use some rain out there. Oh, definitely. Cool. Well, let's see. Uh, I forgot my chapstick today, which out in Colorado is a no-no. It is an amateur move, so (laughs) otherwise it's not too bad here. So let's introduce you a little bit and talk about your role with CCIA and, and your background, actually, which is pretty interesting coming into the cannabis space. You spent 10 years in law enforcement. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yes. I was uh, in law enforcement for about six and a half years, and then I was a criminal defense investigator for uh, another three years after that. I started in 2002 worked for a small city police department, worked for a sheriff's department as well, was a deputy sheriff coroner. So on top of that, on top of doing general law enforcement, I also was responsible for all the death and coroner investigations for the county. Mm. I also was a member of the multi-agency gang task force, and I also uh, was a background investigator. Wow, that's quite a bit. When you were in law enforcement actively, was your stances on cannabis relevant 
And if they were, were you pro-cannabis? Um, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I, um, I'm the oldest of six homeschool pastors' kids. And so I used to joke, but you know, my parents actually campaigned against Prop 215 in 1996. We were raised up that it was morally wrong. Mm-hmm. And I believed that pretty much my whole life. And what it was was actually seeing the failed policy as a cop in front of me that really made me start to question things. Um, I really didn't become you know, pro, quite pro-cannabis until about probably my last few months on the job when I really started to look at it. But it was my experiences on the job that sort of helped flip my, my um, position on the issue. I remember one guy, I responded in 2006 to a, a 14 plants in the backyard. The guy answered the door. It was me and three narcotic agents, and we all responded because it was, you know, a hot crime back then. And um, he answered the door in a wheelchair missing a leg. He looked at me and goes, you guys here for the plant? They're mine. And without blinking an eye, he goes, that, you know, that crap helped me get off every pill I was taking. And, you know, I had just come from a coroner's investigation like 15 I don't know, not 15 minutes previous, but maybe within an hour or so, I'd just been at one, and for a pill overdose. And oh. so I remember it really hit me when I just said, really, that stuff got, got helped you get off pills? He goes, yeah, it did. And that really stopped me in my tracks. And then he started to educate all of us cops on how it helps him and works with him and how he Basically, we ended up talking for a while, and we all just left, told him to have a nice day. Wow. I really was the guy who was responsible for making me think about it and it really opened my eyes for the first time. And after that, I really started to look at it. That is really an incredible educational moment between patients and law enforcement. Thank you for sharing that story. And I have to note, NCIA recently published a white paper about uh, the opioid crisis and how cannabis is a viable alternative for many, many people who otherwise would be taking far too many opioids. Um, So I I would recommend the listeners go check that out. You can head to www.thecannabisindustry.org and look for our industry reports and webinars section of our website. It's also in the blog as well. So back to you, Nate. Uh, You said that was in 2006 or 7. Fast forward to 2010, a lot happened between those couple of years there because then you founded Lawmen Protecting Patients is the name of an organization. Uh, Tell me about Lawmen Protecting Patients. Lawmen Protecting Patients came about, um, like I said, I had parents who were activists, and so I understood the need for organization, not just being a, a solo activist out there, and there was strength in numbers. And so I started that group after Prop 19 failed to sort of create an organization for what I was focused on at the time, which is just medical cannabis advocacy work. And I wanted to create an avenue for other law enforcement officers to basically be able to come and reach out to ask questions and to get information. And I wanted, if they wanted to speak out, I wanted to give them a, a platform to speak out from. So I started that. We got our, we actually got our 501c3 designation letter from the IRS within a year and a half. The organization didn't really take off very much. I mean, it took off a little bit, but I started CCIA a little bit after that. And when CCIA took off, everything else sort of was put on the back burner. Got it. Got it. So in addition to that, you you did end up becoming a spokesman and advisor 
on the Prop 19 campaign. Is is that correct? Yeah, I was uh, I was I was a spokesman, and I also worked as a strategist for them. I, I helped them secure endorsements and things like that. I um, helped secure the endorsement of the National Black Police Officers Association um, and a few other big endorsements for Prop 19. Fantastic. Good work. So let's talk a bit more about CCIA, which was founded shortly after National Cannabis Industry Association was founded. And shortly after that, our two organizations created a formal affiliation. So let's let's get into sort of the founding of CCIA a, a bit more. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, when I started CCIA, you guys had just hit your three-year mark, I think, and um, had four employees at that time, um, I think. Basically, I started CCIA when after I got, like I said, I got into activism after Prop 19. I started to work at the state capitol, and I saw that Although as an activist and a former law enforcement officer, I can open a lot of doors, I really wasn't able to sway a lot of votes or have that much influence. And I saw that organized industry was very powerful in the capital. You know, labor groups and industry groups were some of the, some of the biggest players. And the, the cannabis industry didn't have an organized association fighting for its behalf at the state capitol. Um, it just didn't exist. We had, you know, Americans for Safe Access. Americans for Safe Access, which is a great patient consumer group. You had Normal, which is a consumer group. You had UFCW, which was a labor group. No one was really just speaking for the voice of the industry. There was literally, like I like to say, an empty parking space for a cannabis industry trade group at the state capitol. And so, uh, um, backtracking a little bit, 2011, I organized what was called the Yuba County Growers Association. It was the county I used to be a police officer in. And I organized that a growers association and um, to help the growers in that area work on an ordinance which wouldn't um, which wouldn't uh, be challenged. I mean, which would work for both sides because every other ordinance in the state that had been passed so far had been there was a lawsuit filed by the growers which mucked up the whole process. Mm. So we successfully negotiated with the county and got the very first ordinance passed, and by the end of 2012, which didn't, ha- which wasn't challenged by the growers. In fact, they came out and publicly endorsed it, along with the county endorsed it. And we uh, in, in, in ended up get, getting all five members to vote for it, including the former deputy sheriff who hated it the entire time. So huh. we called it a big su- success by the end. Yeah, I would uh, say so. Two weeks later, it's December 29th, 2012, 10.30 at night. I'll never forget it. I got a phone call from the attorney who I worked with on the Yuba County Growers Association. Tells me, hey, Nate, I got clients in Tracy, I got clients in Merced, I got clients in San Diego and Humboldt. None of them have representation in the state capitol. What do they need? And that was the first time I said, I said, I said, Lance, what they need is a trade association. There's literally an empty parking space for a trade group at the state capitol and no one's no one's filling it. He goes, Well, what do we do? I said, Well, let's let's create one. He goes, Well, what would we call it? I said, Well, there's a National Cannabis Industry Association. Let's call it the California Cannabis Industry Association. He goes, That sounds good. <laughs> and then he says says to me, Well, well, how do we start it? And I said, Don't worry, I'll figure it out. And the next morning <laughs> uh, I woke up and I Google searched, how do you start a trade association? <laughs> and, just uh, Google it. I did. I literally just Google searched, how do you start a trade association? There's got to be like a YouTube and, instructional video by this well, point, right? there's a lot of nonprofit <laughs> websites yeah. on, like, on like nonprofit formate, formation bylaws and mission statements and due structures. And 
I did a lot of research for about a couple of weeks and I put together like CCI's foundation on a Word document on my, I mean, literally CCI started out as a Word document on my computer. And I just drafted it up, went on Photoshop, kind of designed a quick little logo. Some of you may have seen our old logo. It's a green and white or green and black, white logo. And um, put together our uh, what the mission statement, what the new structure would look, look like. I started to shop that around. Um, Aaron and I, Aaron and I, known each other for a long time as activists. Uh, then and so I called up Aaron and I just told him what I was interested in doing, and he just said, "Nate, a lot of people have asked me for this. I've always said no, but he goes, I've known you. I've seen what you did in California. I'll give you a shot. I'll, you know, I'll work with you." Um, he gave me sort of a checklist of things he wanted me to do, certain people to get on my board, and uh, uh, things he wanted me to accomplish. And within six months, I had accomplished everything Aaron asked me to. And uh, we formed our official affiliation then, including our, you know, our do-splitting structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, CCI has now grown, and we just moved into a 3,200-square-foot office space. We have you know six employees. I have a contract lobbying firm. I have two contract fundraisers slash event planners. I have a PR firm, and we are now one of the most influential players in the state. You know, our lobbyist has been profiled for her work numerous times in local papers and in magazines across the state just because of the barriers we've been able to break um, in the capital. And so we've filmed, you know, we've now formed coalitions never before seen where we've got the California Police Chiefs, the California League of Cities, the Rural Counties Association, all a part of all active members of our coalition whenever we try and run run legislation. So, for example, last year we had issues with uh, extractors still being raided, even though they had local permission to operate. So what was because law enforcement was trying to claim that local permission is not good enough. It still qualifies as a meth house as long as there's no state licenses. So we ran an emergency cleanup bill, which clarified that until state licenses are issued, if you have a local license to do extraction, that's good enough as long as it meets you know, baseline standards for that type of extraction. Sure. And what we did was we ended up, not only did we you know, successfully get a gut and amend on the issue, I got the California police chiefs and the League of Cities and the rural counties and the state association of counties to all come out and support the bill. And we ended up getting that bill out of the state legislature with a 70 to 5 vote in the state on the floor of the assembly, almost unanimous in the, in the um, Senate. And wow. uh, that was so basically what people don't realize was we le- literally legalized butane extraction with a vote of 70 to 5, getting three former narcotic officers who are now lawmakers to vote to all vote for it. Wow. I am just high-fiving you right now. Excellent work. We're going to take a quick break right now, but when we come back, we're definitely going to dive more into WAC. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. 
the National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed to Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannovation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at seedtosaleshow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. Seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio, the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, Better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends? Identify and compare your top products and categories and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com Okay, and we're back from the break. Thanks again for joining us for NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. And if you're just tuning in, this is Bethany Moore from NCIA. And we've been chatting with Nate Bradley, the Executive Director of the California Cannabis Industry Association. We've been chatting a little bit about the background and founding. So let's talk a little bit more. How many members do you have in CCIA? These are member companies that are in the cannabis space in the state of California. How many members today do you have? Currently we have 255 members. I believe we're probably closer to 260 right now. Wow, that's that's fantastic. And for comparison, the National Cannabis Industry Association has about 1,100 members that are companies in the cannabis space across the country. So that includes those 260 or so California members. So great job out there, Nate. California is certainly a very big market. So let's talk about uh, the founding of CCIA a bit more and the background, and then we can start getting into more about what you're up to today. After CCIA launched in 2013, we had a pretty fast start. It was very much a, tr- a, trial, a trial by a fire. 
our first year, we got involved in two me- medical cannabis bills that were that were uh, being that were being pushed through, through the state capitol. I think one of the, the one, one of the biggest moments for us was when I was introduced to the policy consultant for cannabis issues that wrote, that worked for the the then pro tem of the state Senate uh, Daryl Steinberg. And her and I started to work together on his medical cannabis bill. I started to give her rebuttals for law enforcement to explain to them how to handle law enforcement, how to handle their, their responses. And at one point when he was on, the, when Senator Steinberg was on the floor giving his floor speech for the bill, he picked up his piece of speech in front of him, and his entire speech was an email I had written her about a week before. Wow. And I sort of jumped up in my office. I did a touchdown dance, and I realized, <laughs> all right, we're there. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's certainly a great way to see the, the evidence and fruits of, of your labor. So congrats on that one. And it was after that, we sort of grew, um, grew each, each year. You know, in 2014, we, um, got, we basically got more engaged. By then, that's when the issue was taken as a real issue because what we saw in 2014 was that our bills were no longer being sent to the public safety which was run by law enforcement, but they were being sent to the business and professions. And we were being treated like a completely different, you know, group then. With a lot more respect and being seen as someone who has a seat at the table, is that is that right? Exactly. Actually, you, and I, know, I don't know if Bethany have ever told you this story before, but when we were assigned to uh, BNP, all the author's offices had to fill out a form called a, a Sunrise Doc document. And, the, and that form was about 50 pages long, and the, the authors had to justify they, why they wanted to create a new agency to regulate a, this new industry. Well, there was two important questions on that form that, that they had, had to answer. One of those questions said, is there a state trade association that currently represents this industry now? Yes, there was. Mm-hmm. Is that state trade association affiliated with a national trade association? Why, yes, we are. <laughs> and we were How the only that? group in the state that actually had that. So what that did was it literally not that we they were they, they, they not that we had to force them to because we were already working with a lot of these these authors' offices, but what they had to do was then literally call us and say, okay, how should this look? How should this look? What about this? And and from that point on, it wasn't uncommon for me to be on the phone with staffers until you know one you know one a.m. Wow. No, I don't think you did tell me that. That's a really great story of seeing how you can establish yourself as really the the voice um, and the guys that people people come to you instead of just us trying to be heard. That's fantastic. So that's, that's a good background. What is CCIA kind of focused on right now? This is the end of December 2016. What's what's on your plate looking forward? Um, our plate is, is looking full for, for this year. Um, I imagine so. Because <laughs> on top of now, what happened in 20... 20- 
our plate's very full. Um, what happened in 2015 was obviously they passed the state medical cannabis reg system that we helped work on, and then in 2016 they passed Prop 64, which you know, which was for uh, full adult use. Well, mm-hmm. the reality is, so now not only do we have to track bills in the state capital, but there are three agencies that have been tasked to create the licenses for this. And those agencies, we now have to track them as well. And so we are going into next year, we're looking at basically reconciling Prop 64 into the, into the Medical Act from last year. What we're going to be doing on top of tracking the, those, those three agencies, we're also going to be uh, working with all of our members to develop suggested rules and regulations through our subcommittee system to submit to these agencies to make sure that those the regulations are written as best as as they can as they can be certainly okay great so prop 64 brings the adult use cannabis cannabis market to california and that be in effect by the year 2018 is that a good estimate for when we're going to see it fully yeah, green lighted it, it might be closer to, toward towards the end of it though Okay. You might see them run a bill to extend it just because there's a lot of, you know, they're they're realizing this is a big, big task for them. So the state might have have to extend it. Right. And California, being a big state, of course, has had medical programs in place, but it's been different rules and regulations from city to city or, you know, different parts of the state. It's been a patchwork of rules and. Right, right. So the Bay Area has one kind of industry culture versus Los Angeles. Can you yeah. can you summarize kind of the big differences between those two parts of the state for listeners? Well, the Bay Area and LA are two. I mean, they're two huge markets. The difference is is the way they're accepted. The Bay Area is way more accepting of the, of the cannabis industry of the cannabis industry compared to Los Angeles and the towns that that surround it. It, they're going to take a lot more work. The Bay Area has been very, very, very on the on the forefront of, of this issue, and so that's been the biggest difference. It's just it's a much larger fight to get ordinances passed in Southern California. This is largely due to the large amount of law enforcement opposition. I see. So ideally, the Bay Area would serve as closer to a model for how we would like to see the rest of California, or no? The Bay Got Area it. is a great is a great example. Good to know. Yeah, some of NCIA's founding members are based in um, either Berkeley or San Francisco. So I know that we've got a lot of really good people out of that part of the state for sure. And I look forward to meeting all the other industry leaders from the other parts of the state too as we move forward. So I do want to talk a bit more about the details of Prop 64 and the nitty-gritty, but first we're going to go take a quick break and let our listeners hear some commercials. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With new frontier data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting edge big data platform, Equio, 
puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash. And I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Oh, Lady Marijuana Llama, tell you something now About a game for your phone, gonna make you say Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little, your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients, grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water, infused with CBD oil, is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 first responder and stage 4 cancer survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R brands.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com and we're back from the break here. Thank you for joining us on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice here on Cannabis Radio. And as we finish up our last segment here with Nate Bradley, the Executive Director of California Cannabis Industry Association, we've been talking all things California and hearing a lot about his interesting background in law enforcement. Nate, before the break... I said we were going to talk a little bit about some details about Prop 64, and one thing that it was written was that it actually will prevent licenses for corporate or large-scale businesses for five years in order to discourage what some would be calling big marijuana in the same way that we see big pharma and big tobacco. So this is a really interesting thing to be written into the regulations here. Can you talk a little bit more about that well, big business? Yeah, just to clarify, what it did was it delayed the, the 
it delayed the implementation of the Type 5 license for five years. And the Type 5 license is the large no-limit cultivation license, so which would allow you to sort of go to a local government and, and in theory, get a 10,000-acre you know, license if, if you wanted to, or those were the, the concerns. So what they did was they delayed the implementation of that license for five years to see, and then after five years, the state legislature will do a review of the state to see if it's even necessary if they economy needs that license. Like, let's say there's a great shortage of cannabis being grown, so we need licenses with the farm more. So that's okay. the goal. The reality is, is, you know, we have an overproduction problem in this state as it is, so mm-hmm. we don't think that's going to be a problem. Okay, so it's possible that that level of license, level five, may not even be implemented in five years if, if the smaller exactly. and medium-sized business owners are meeting the economic needs of the state. That is pretty cool. Um, And I think it's very important that the cannabis industry has provided new opportunities for small and medium-sized businesses to be created and launched in this country. Um, So it's very important in, in other states as well to give opportunities for middle-class America to be part of of the cannabis industry. So I'm really encouraged to hear that about Prop 64. And speaking of the economic impact, tell me more about the potential market growth for California. It's currently, as is, over two, maybe three billion dollars worth and the forecast is that that will more than double by 2020 with these new laws being implemented. So tell me more about that. Well, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. The growth is going through the roof. And the reality is, is you know, Prop 64 will bring a huge economic boon to the state. We're going to see more cops on the streets, more teachers in schools, and more education of kids about this issue and to advise them about, you know, the harms and the risks as a whole. So we're going to get a lot done with the revenue from Prop 64, and we do estimate it made it to be, you know, 7 to $10 billion within the next, you know, two to three years. That is incredible. And the number of congressional seats gained in Congress is also something we at NCIA look at. So California, being a big state, has uh, more representatives than some of the smaller states. So it's nice to see some of those seats in Congress being filled with members of Congress now who represent states like California that have a legal market. So we just have a few more minutes of the show left. So I just wanted to open up to you and and see if there's anything else you wanted to share, anything you're excited about with the listeners today. Well, there's a lot going on. I'm excited for next year, honestly. This is what we've been working on. And we're we're getting excited. We've we've launched our membership subcommittee system this year and looking forward to getting back into those next years to really give our members a voice and way to sort of shape our policy. And We've, um, I'm also looking forward to you know the, the expansion that we're going to have. There's going to be a lot more ways for us to reach out to our members, and over the next you know 12 months, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to be able to do with CCIA and the different ways we're going to be, be able to reach out. Excellent. And we at National Office coordinate with you quite a bit on events that overlap in California. So NCIA will be back in California in January for our quarterly Cannabis Caucus series. We're there every three months in Northern and Southern California. So I hope you'll join us in the Bay Area 
and Santa Monica. And you can go to our website to find out how to register and where those will be. The website is www.thecannabisindustry.org. And if you're looking for more information about the California cannabis industry, the website is www.cacannabisindustry.org. And we hope to see many of you here in Denver, Colorado at the end of January, January 31st and February 1st for our Seed to Sales show. We expect more than 2,000 industry leaders for this conference, which focuses solely on the life cycle of the plant. So we encourage you to log on to www.seedtosaleshow.com. Thank you so much again for joining us today. And thanks, Nate, for joining us from CCIA. You can tune in every week to hear more from NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice here on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and thank you so much for joining me. Have a lovely day. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.